smile at someone. Good to have you all here tonight. Hey, I just want to, uh, I've entitled what I want to share tonight um, a little phrase. Thanks, team. A little phrase that uh, I just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an entitled Good God. Uh, some of us uh, may have heard that phrase for many different reasons. Sometimes people kind of use God's name that way when they're startled or they're, uh, or they maybe uh, had some experience and they go, you know, they use the exclamation, good God, good God. But I think it's a great title because it really kind of uh, gives us an understanding of God's character. Uh, and I want to just talk about that tonight. Uh, you see, even when Jesus Christ was born, way back uh, some 2,000 or over 2,000 years ago, there was, an, there was a group of angels that got together. He was born in the little city of Bethlehem. You may know the story, the Christmas story. And they're born, of course, in a feed trough in a barn. And uh, the angels came along and they started to sing an incredible song in heaven. And there was a group of shepherds who heard it. And the words that they sang was, Glory to God in the highest. And then they said, On earth, peace. And then they declared this. They said, Goodwill towards all men. And that's generic, men and women included. And so we see that at Jesus' birth, Jesus is heaven's goodwill expressed towards us, human beings. And that's, uh, that's good news, really, um, because uh, the birth of Christ uh, was always uh, wanting to show us the goodness of God and the very character of God and, uh, and, the, and the very... Uh, uh, the way that uh, even Jesus conducted himself is out of a, a good God. And that's good news for us because it wasn't a nasty will that God had for us. It wasn't a nasty God that wants to uh, uh, kind of uh, you know, uh, demand from us or put us under his thumb. It was a good God. It was a good God. I, I noticed we had a couple songs there tonight like that. It, it actually says about Jesus in, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 10, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Doing good. Can you see the very nature of God was seen through his son Jesus? And it was all his goodness towards us um, and uh, how he wanted to treat us. Now, maybe tonight... The truth is that you could struggle a little bit with that thought, believing that God is good, because we live in a nasty world. Is that true? Uh, we live in a world that isn't so nice. Uh, you could read the headlines of any newspaper on any given day of the week, and you'll discover there's something bad news they want to report, or uh, there's some news report on the television that isn't so good. We, we don't live in a good world. I was just thinking, I've been following the story of the 12 young men who are trapped beneath uh, in a mine, uh, sorry, a cave and, uh, in Thailand. And I tell you, who's been following that story? You, know, you think, wow, did, how did that happen? God are, you in, God, are you involved in that? And you know, I want to just say this, and I hope you come to that understanding tonight, that we don't, God doesn't do the nasty stuff in this world. But he's certainly there for us when we face the nasty stuff. And um, he is a good God. Um, and why should we believe that God is good? Because creation is, um, because, uh, sorry, because creation is good. In Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, the very first book, in actual fact, those first, first few 10 or 15 verses of the, book of the um, first book of the Bible, we see that God, when he created the heavens and the earth and the fish and the birds and everything in it, he said, that's good, that's good. On seven occasions, seven occasions, he says, that's good. He created, everything that was created was for our good purpose, for us to enjoy, 
to us to have a great life. Um, uh, you know, so God's creation was good. And um, it stands the reason if God was a nasty God, that he wouldn't have created things good, would he? He would have created things of the opposite of good. <laughs> but he didn't. He created things good. Now, what has happened to the world since then? Well, we've kind of messed it up a little bit, haven't we? Humanity. We've made some pretty bad decisions. We've done some pretty nasty things to one another. And uh, God's not responsible for that, unfortunately. We are. And, uh, and that's what we under- need to understand. So, so and, if you, and if you think about all the other belief systems in the world, uh, I'm not going to go through them tonight, but if you were just to, to take uh, Greek mythology, for instance, Greek mythology says this, that there was a whole bunch of little gods got together and, the, and they all fought each other, and out of their turmoil, the, the world was created. <laughs> I'm glad I don't live under that realm, under those type of belief systems. I'm glad I live under the, a belief system of the Christian faith that says God is good, and his, nat- his, his nature and his heart for us is all for good. And I don't live under some foreign belief system that says, oh no, it was all created out of turmoil and, and these last little gods went around fighting each other. I think that's, uh, uh, that's never going to... I'm just glad that that's not really the truth, to be honest. Because um, God's not the author of evil or imperfection. He doesn't sit in heaven uh, thinking up ways uh, that this world, he can pull this world down. In actual fact, he sits in heaven thinking up ways that he can actually bless your life. And he actually do you good and do you well. So I love that. See, God reveals himself to people as well. And when he revealed himself to people, even in the Old Testament part of the Bible, there was a guy called Moses. And uh, it was the time when, when God and Moses kind of connected on a mountain. And it says in Exodus 34, 6, that the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed this. This is what the Lord said. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, patient and abounding in goodness and truth. So God says, part of my nature is mercy and graciousness and patience and truth. But he says, when it comes to goodness, I'm abounding in that one. I'm abounding in goodness. When it comes to goodness, man, I've got ample amounts of goodness to give out. Um, I'm, I'm merciful, I'm gracious, but when it comes to goodness, man, I'm abounding in that one. <laughs> so God reveals himself to Moses and he shows him these attributes about himself and he says, goodness is something that I've got plenty of. And See, I think one of the major struggles that we can grapple with in believing that God is good is this. Um, and if I was to give you an example of this, um, just so we understand this, I just let, for a moment, it says in, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, 28 and 29, it says there was a time when Jesus was in, um, of course, in the area of Israel and he was walking around and people were coming to him and wanting them to heal him. And there was an occasion in Matthew 20, uh, sorry, chapter 9, 28 to 29, when blind men came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, and Jesus said to the blind men, do you believe that I am able to heal you? And, and, and they said to Jesus, yes, Lord, we believe. And so he touched their eyes and, and he said, according to your belief system or your faith, let it be. And the men were healed of their blindness. What an incredible, wonderful miracle. But here's the point that I believe that is being made here. Your life, um, your life goes according to what you believe. Your life goes according. See, Jesus is very much saying, whatever you believe, see, what you believe 
is the shape that your life will take. For the rest of this year, uh, for the rest of the six months of this year or thereabouts, your, your life will depend uh, on what you believe. See, the Bible actually says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, a wonderful old wisdom, a bit of wisdom here, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. In other words, what you believe in here, what, you, what, you've, what you've put in here is what will shape your life. Sometimes we all think here that the outward external circumstances are the things that shape our life. In, to some extent they do. But you, it's, it's not what happens to you. It's what you think, what you believe and think about when things happen to you that really shape your life. I'll say it again. It's not so much what happens to you. It's what you think about when things happen to you that really shapes your life. Does that make sense? It's what you think about. Because there's, a, there's good and bad things happen to all of us every day. You know, there's some things that are just downright, they're just downright difficult sometimes. But it's not that, I don't have to let that circumstance shape my life or control me. I just, it's what you, what really controls you is what you think about when that situation unfolds. And that's what you believe, what believe things that shape your life. See, what happens to you is not as important as what you think about when things happen to you. See, you can get, just an example, you can have a, a, someone, I've had friends and someone's run into their car and it's not difficult to create a couple grand's worth of, um, of damage in a car these days. It doesn't take much, just a, a bit of a ding. And I've seen people have that happen to their car and they're, and they're like, it happened. I wish it didn't happen. I didn't want it to happen. It happened. I'm just going to have to move on. Uh, you know. And they seem to have such a great attitude. And, and it comes out of what they believe, that life isn't worth getting upset about sometimes. And yet I've seen other people, and they get a little scratch on their car, and it's like World War III breaks out. It's like all, everything is just destroyed. Their life is destroyed. I'm thinking, far out. And you know what? The, the problem is, it's not what happens to them, it's what they believe and what they think about when bad things happen to them that really controls their life. Can you see that? I, um, see, you need to understand something. Uh, uh, the understanding you have, see, the revelation, uh, what you, the revelations or the, 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 those kind of light bulb moments in life and what you have and you think about really determines your expectation in life. That's the thing that determines your... Ex and, and expectation is, is uh, what you expect to happen when things in your life are going to unfold. And um, your expectation determines the way you process information. Okay? The way you process information. See, example again, if I t have a revelation about myself, or I have this, uh, not a good revelation or not a good thought, but I have this thought about myself that I don't like myself. And there's plenty of people in the world today who, who kind of think that. They don't like themselves or they don't like something about themselves. They don't like, well, I, I don't like my personality or I don't like how I look or I don't like, you know, whatever it may be. If they don't like themselves and, you know, if they walk into a room, for instance, as an example, and it's got a lot of people in there and because they don't like themselves, they see a person across the other side of the room as soon as they walk in, kind of whisper into someone else's ear, um, ear behind their hand, straight away that person can think, well, they don't, they're talking about me. Now, they don't know that for sure, but that's the, that's the see, because of the, the revelation about all that thought about themselves that I'm not nice, they think other people don't like them. 
other people are talking about them. And so they leave because they simply have this, this expectation. If I don't like myself, then people must don't like me and they're talking about me. What a sad way to live life. And see, the truth is, what was really happening didn't determine their behavior. It was what they thought was happening that determined their behavior. And I want to ask you tonight, I might see, I say all this because Jesus says, according to your belief, let it be to you. According to what you think about yourself, what you think about others, according to your conviction about God, your conviction about your family, your conviction about life itself, your conviction of how you're going to live life, that will be how your life goes. And sometimes we blame everything else in the world about a bad life, but I want to tell you, it's You've got to um, realize it's not everything else. It's what we've got in here that we've got to look at. And we've got to redirect and reevaluate. Because Jesus says, according to your belief, it'll be to you. It'll happen according to what you believe. Now, why would I say all that? Because the most important conviction I think we all need, one of the most important convictions, is to understand that God is good. We've got to understand that one. Because out of the conviction that God is good, um, uh, the truth is, it's the entrance through which we access every blessing that God has for us. It's the entrance. It's, it, it's a conviction that we need to have. It, it's the conviction that God is good and we're put on this planet to fulfill purpose. And we have a purpose and he, and he actually has good plans for us and not evil plans. It's, the, it's that conviction. And no matter what trials and struggles come my way, when we believe that God is good... We can face it so much better. We can face it so much better. Why? Because if you understand that God is good, then it affects the way you see your future. It affects the way you see yourself. It affects the way you see other people. It affects the way you process struggles. It affects the way you process life. Because we serve a good God. And he's good to me. And his nature towards me is good. And he's got good plans for me. And when we... See, I want to I wanna say it's easy... It, it, on tonight, for all of us probably to say, yeah, I believe that, I believe it. But what about tomorrow morning when um, you wake up and you find you've got a flat tire on your car? Um, unexpectedly, something happens through the day. Uh, you know, I don't know what could happen. There's lots of things. But, you know, that's when we've got to say, you know what? God's still good. God's still good. He's still got the best plan for me. God is good because it'll, if you have that belief, it'll help you process the, the situations that unfold in our life. How different would life be for you if you actually lived like God is good and God loves you? How, how different would you pray, for instance? What would your prayer be like? Would your prayer be more um, uh, uh, you know, understanding? Would it be more of a demeanor of praise to him instead of maybe a grumble? Or, well, God, this is... You know, I, I don't think God actually gets too upset when we tell him how we think. I think he actually welcomes it. Because as lo but as long as we come to that understanding, he ultimately has got the best plan for our lives. I think he's happy sometimes. He, God, I'm not like this and I don't think it's fair. And, and God says, I know, child. But if you just listen to me and read my word, you'll find that I still love you and I still care for you and I didn't cause it. And I'm still a good God that loves you. See, the Bible, if we actually lived really fully believing in, with a strong conviction that God is good, then maybe that verse that says God can work all things together for good to those who love him actually will become powerful in our hearts and lives. That all things... All things could work together for good. You know, all things could work. 
we can actually believe that what he says is true. And to be honest, we'll find that our life starts to um, rise to new heights and new levels as we live in that revelation. And we have the revelation that God is good. And then our expectation will be what happens in life. It mightn't be all good, but I've got a good God that's going to help me through. Got a good God that helps me through. See, once again, back in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, there was a couple of people who were the very first people on the earth. and They were Adam and Eve, as we know. Most of us would understand that. So Adam and Eve was in the garden. Of course, there was also a devil there. God was with them. They were having great fellowship. But there was a, a, a devil. There was the Lucifer himself, who was a fallen angel. And he comes down. And you would think that the devil will try and say to Adam and Eve, um, or even say, to, this is what he, you would think if the devil wanted to say anything to us today, he would say, about God that is, he would say, well, God's just a fairy tale and he doesn't really exist. You would think that he would say that. But you know what? The devil doesn't try to prove that God doesn't exist. He just tries to discredit him and make him look bad. He just tries to get people through circumstances and misunderstanding to think God's really quite a nasty God. That's what he tries to do. He tries to make God, he tries to discredit God. Do you remember the first conversation that, that the, the Lucifer, the devil, has with Eve? And he says, um, Eve, if you eat of the tree of the fruit of good and, and uh, the knowledge of good and evil, you know, it's not going to be a problem. You, you go and have some fruit because the truth is, is God knows if you, he doesn't want you to eat of that fruit because if you eat of that fruit, he'll know you'll be like God. Which is partly true. But as you, if you kind of think through that statement, what the devil was trying to do was say, God doesn't, you know, if you eat of that, he doesn't want you to eat of that fruit. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to be like God. Because God wants to keep you small and insignificant. God wants to make sure that you never rise up to anything great. This is all the kind of hearsay that the devil's kind of saying. And what he really tries to do is he tries to discredit God. And he really is trying to say, God is not a good God. He is a bad God. It's really what the devil was trying to do. And, you know, the reality is you see that um, Adam and Eve ate of the, tr of the tree and they shouldn't. And the real sin was disobedience to God. That was the real problem with disobedience. That's probably all of our problems sometimes. It's just disobedience to what we should. We, we do the wrong thing. And really it's disobedience that's the biggest issue. So, um, you know, so what happens is it's interesting that... Um, as Eve and Adam find out that they eat of the fruit, and of course, straight away, they, they feel ashamed at what they've done, and they feel naked, and they feel exposed. And before this, they didn't have any of those feelings. But that's what sometimes doing the wrong thing does in our lives. It exposes us, and we feel ashamed, and we feel yuck. And, and so, you know, we, we see that God then comes down in the garden, and he says, where are you, Adam, you know? He's used to having relationship with them, and and, and, and what happens and unfolds is, is that the lie that the devil tries to speak to Adam and Eve, and that's why they kind of hid from God, is that God is going to get you, Adam and Eve, for doing what you did wrong. He's going to get back at you. And you know, that lie is still there today in today's society. Because people think that God's a vengeful God. Do you know, as you go through life, sometimes when bad things happen, do you know there's some, even Christians can think this, they think, oh, that'd be right. You know, um, maybe something happens, like, I don't know. A hundred things could happen. 
flat tire. I'll use that example again, you know. And you say, that's right, God, you're getting, you're vengeful. You're getting back at me for speeding last week. Now, you mightn't say that, but sometimes we think it. Oh, God's just getting back at me. He's just making, you know, okay, God, we're even now. I did the wrong thing. Now you'll get back at me. Now we don't, we're right. You know, God is, that is a pure lie from the pit of hell, folks. God is not a vengeful God. Try to find ways to get nastier in your life because you've done something wrong. You know, it's interesting, but if you, if you follow the story of Adam and Eve, God, God didn't um, get nasty at them. In actual fact, he covered them. He went and got an animal, he slaughtered the animal, shed its blood, took the skin, um, and then made clothes and covered Adam and Eve's body so they felt warm and so their shame, in a sense, was covered. Do you know what? Jesus Christ done that when he came to this earth. His death on a cross, his blood that we shed, and then his rising again. Do you realize that the reality of that is that Jesus Christ came to cover our shame, came to cover our lives and from the things we've done wrong? Our God, that's an incredibly good God. Would you agree? God had a wonderful plan at the beginning of Genesis. We blew it. God still says, hey, I'm still going to love you, and I'm going to make another plan. And the plan is I'm going to provide a savior, and I'm going to provide an answer for you so you can reinstate your relationship back with me through your son Jesus. I reckon that's a good God. It's not a vengeful God or a nasty God. What an incredible God we serve. Um. See, the devil doesn't want to convince you that God's not real. He just wants to convince you that God's not good. Because if he can convince you that God's not good, then you'll continue to live out of that belief system and you'll continue to find that you won't be able to access the blessings and all that he has for you because we continually push God away and push ourselves the other direction away from God. And yet God opens his arms and wants to bless and encourage and establish us and lead us and guide us. and He wants us to trust him. But if we believe God's vengeful, we'll keep away from him like Adam and Eve wanted to run from God. And we'll never be able to uh, have the capacity to receive all that God has for us. So to believe that God is good and continue to maintain that belief in every situation and circumstance is an incredibly powerful process and an incredibly powerful thought and belief, part of your belief system that you need to adopt and see. That God, our God is good. Our God is incredibly good. There's, if I can have the musos come tonight, that'd be great. I want to just read one last verse and we'll finish with this thought. Psalm 27 verse 13. Psalm 27 verse 13. It just says this. David is speaking. There's a guy called King David. He was the shepherd boy, killed Goliath. Maybe you know the stories, but he grew up to be the king of Israel. And uh, King David uh, went through some, before he became the king of Israel, went through some pretty difficult times. He had a father-in-law. Talk about the worst father-in-law in the world. I think David had one. His name was Saul. He wanted David dead. Chased him for 10 years around the countryside like an animal. David lived in caves. He didn't have a good time in life. But uh, eventually, he fulfilled his purpose and became king of Israel and was one of the great kings of Israel. But David expressed some thoughts here in the midst of that difficult time. In Psalm 27, verse 13, he says this. David says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love that. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, Even though he's going through a difficult time, 
Um, David was convinced that he served a good God. And that's what often brought him through. He'd get out in the, in the fields as a young boy and he'd, he'd, he'd make up songs and he'd uh, sing those songs to God and worship God. And now as he's escaping and running away from Saul and trying to cope with the struggles of life, like we all do on a day-to-day basis, for 10 years, that's a pretty long time David had to suffer, but he went through it. And you know what kept him going? You know what kept him strength? Realizing that he continually served a good God, even though he was facing the consequences of someone else's bad choices, as we all do. He said, you know what? God's still good. Because I'm, I'm going to see, he said, I'll see the goodness of the Lord. And he was, in a sense, he's predicting his future because he says, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Every day, David had to face the reality that maybe he wouldn't see another day because Saul wanted him dead. But you know, he had a confession in his heart. God is good and I'm going to live. And you know what? You need to speak that over your own life. God is good and I'm going to live. I have, God's got a wonderful plan of future for my life. Because what you believe is so important to you and the way this rest of this year will shape for you. And I wonder if we can just stand tonight as we close. Some of you know exactly what I mean because you, you face this struggle and you face this grief and you face this circumstance that hasn't been nice and the situations. But you know, you've got to make a decision tonight. You've got to make a decision to say, you know what, God, you're still good. And as soon as you say that, and as soon as you start to lift your voice and say, God, I just thank you and I praise you anyway, I tell you, something powerful starts to happen in your life. The attitudes of how you see life start to develop stronger ways of just seeing things better, seeing it from God's perspective. And, you know, if you're here tonight and you're saying, hey, there's not many good things in my life tonight, I want to tell you there's one good thing, and that is your Heavenly Father who loves you, he reaches out to you. And if you're here tonight and just want to say, maybe for the very first time, yes to Jesus, I'd love you to put your hand up. I'll see that hand. You can put it down because I just want to pray for you where you are tonight. Nothing trick, no tricks tonight. I just simply want to pray for you where you are. And if you're, maybe for the very first time, you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. Or maybe tonight it's, it's coming back and saying, yeah, I need to do that again. I just say yes to him. I'll see your hand, lift it just for a moment. I ask you to put it down and I want to pray for you. If you want to say, include me in your prayer, uh, please include me. Give us your hand up. You can put it down again. If there's no one, I'm just going to pray. But if there's someone, I'm just going to wait for a moment saying, hey, because you know, you're not reaching out to me or this church. You're reaching out to God. And God looks for your heart more than anything else. Well, Heavenly Father, tonight, I thank you. I thank you for every person here tonight. It's not some coincidence. It's not just some, um, you know, um, uh, luck that we're here. But I believe it's appointed time. And that, Father, you want us to understand something incredible that your love for us, shown through your son Jesus, and your goodness towards us will never end. It's faithful right to the end. And so, Father, we can commit ourselves as we go into this day and this week that you'd help us to realize and live with that belief 
in growing belief that, God, you're incredibly good, and you're not nasty, and you don't hate us. You have an incredible love for us, and you have a plan that was Jesus was that plan, and you still have a plan for our future. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's just sing this last.